on the word. So while you're at home, while you're here, focus as much as you can on what the spirit is saying to you in the text and not quit tripping off of what somebody else is liking or quoting. Hear what God is saying. I want to talk this morning about pivotal moments in life. Pivotal moments in life. And my text this morning is in 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22, just five verses there. The Lord has really dealt with me this week. We are in a pivotal moment in this country, a pivotal moment in our own lives. And if we don't pay attention to the times, we may make some bad decisions that will impact and or affect us for the rest of our journey. First Samuel 22, one through five. Y'all gonna pray with me today? The Bible says in verse one that David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented, they gathered to him. And so he became a captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. And then David, he went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you till I will know what God will do for me. And so he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt there with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold, depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hadath. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. How to handle the pivotal moments in life. Amen. Beloved, when we come to today's text, you and I get to see David, who is a man after God's own heart, on the run for his life. He's running because King Saul, his enemy, is trying to kill him. David, Sister Wilson, is having a pivotal moment in life. So in, in pivotal moments, things can go one way or another, depending on what God is doing in the season that you are in. Pivotal moments are stress 
field encounters. Pivotal moments are filled with spaces of sadness and loneliness. Pivotal moments, Mother Caldwell, are structured to make the believer choose which direction they should turn in. Pivotal moments are those times in life when a change is coming, a change that will alter your direction and your destiny for the future. David in today's story, New Beginnings, is in a pivotal moment. Here it is. He's under attack. He's mistreated. He's abused. Brother Fred, he's disrespected. He's fearful. And he's rejected. And depression, Brother Ed, has him in despair. His enemies are closing in on him, and it looks like his life is near the end. But God, he shows up at an unlikely time, and he promotes him, Deacon Roy, and he calls for others to rally around David. See, God is going to use him for his honor and his glory in spite of the difficulty that God has allowed to come into his life. Here it is. Let me say it like this. Brother Reuben, what a mighty God we serve. This story shows us, beloved, how God can work in you in the pivotal moments of life. The child of God need only to wait on him and trust the process, even if it causes you pain. Can I get a witness? So today, beloved, let's look at three things in the life of David. One, let's look at David's place of isolation. Let's look at David's place of intercession. And let's look at David's place of importance, his place of isolation, his place of intercession, and his place of importance. Verse number one, the place of isolation. David, therefore, departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him and everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him so that David became a captain over them. And there were about 400 men. Beloved, when we arrive at this portion of the story, we see David has escaped from a city called Achish. And Achish was a place of an enemy country. And David is allowed to escape as he's running from Saul, one enemy, to Achish, the city of Achish, another enemy. But God gives him a way out of trouble. And because of fear, he's able to depart from that city and escape with his life. That's why the text says in verse 1, Reverend Nichols, that the word escape is in the text. It puts emphasis 
on Achish being a place of danger for David. Not only does he escape, but in his efforts to flee from the king of Achish, the text says he runs into a cave. The cave is called the cave of Adullam. Now this is important because we see in David's life, fear of this pivotal moment has gripped David. And so much so that hiding is all he can do. I just dropped something right there. I said he's making a life decision based on fear. His fear caused him to run and to hide in an abandoned cave. Now this cave is no ordinary cave. No, it was a place of hiding for King David. That this place, this cave, the cave of Adullam was in between two enemy cities. And David has to make a pivotal decision. Do I run from this second enemy to a third enemy or do I go and hide? So he runs to Adullam, his hiding place. Reverend Tong, if you'll give me a few moments here, I'd like to talk about this Adullam experience. Because Adullam, while being a hiding place, becomes this spot of retreat for David. Adullam becomes this place of reprieve. Adullam becomes the place where the enemy couldn't find him. Adullam becomes a pseudo place of security from the outside world, Zunaga. In Adullam, David can let his hair down and fear run the cave. In Adullam, David was shaking in his boots because of what his enemy could do to him. Adullam was a part of that ancient Canaanite city. It was situated between Lachish and Hebron in the country. So the, the Hebrews who were ruling what Saul didn't like him, so he couldn't run to Hebron. He couldn't hang out in Lachish because the Philistines were at war. That David had to find that middle place that fear drove him to. And it's called the cave of Adullam. Can I say some more? David's in a pivotal moment. And I learned right here, Brother Johnny, in life, sometimes you need an adula. Sometimes you need that place to go to when your life is in the balance. Sometimes you need an adulum that that secret place that's in between the enemy's headquarters. I know you are fearful. I know you are afraid of the pandemic. I know you are afraid of the economic stress and conditions of this world. Where is my adulum? Sometimes you need an adulum to pause, gather your thoughts, lick your wounds, cry for a minute, gather your thoughts, and think about what you've been going through. Many of your homes over the course of this 16 months have acted like an adulum. Your place where you can run and hide 
from the fears of this world. So you're fearful of church. You're fearful of the grocery store. You're fearful of pumping gas. You're fearful of touching this. Fear, fear, fear has driven the whole world into a cave called a doolum. Can I preach like I feel it today? When I think about this text, a doolum also is a dark place. It's a dark place, but it can comfort you in the midst of the storm. Huh? In a doolum, guess what? He has his life, Nikki, but he lost everything else. In a doolum, he has his health, but he had to let go of his material things. In a doolum, he has his mind, Zuniga, but he lost his dreams. In a doolum, he's got a few friends, but even his wife, Michael, Saul's daughter, has abandoned him. In a doolum, he's got a place of isolation, introspection, recollection, but it's also the place where God is about to do something new. Y'all catch it right there? Secondly, we discover in this text, Rip Billings, when his brother and his father's house heard of it, they went down to the cave where David was hiding. Notice this. This is interesting because it reveals that perhaps now all of Israel knows what David is going through. And I don't know where his family was when they got the news that he was in the cave. But when they found out, they came down to console him. When they found out, they came down to comfort him. When they found out, Reverend White, they came to connect with him. Can I call Roll right here? They knew that boy was a fugitive. They knew he was Israel's most wanted. They knew Saul tried to kill him several times. They knew he was wanted and in trouble with the police, but they didn't care because they knew his character. And they were willing to risk their lives to care for their brother who was all alone, hiding in a cave, down in a doolum. Even though David had his enemies, his family, uh, Brother Darian was not willing to separate from him. I wish I had a witness right through there. Brother Cliff, they embrace his trouble and they come to see about the baby boy. I believe, I believe they were sent to David on a mission to help him in his pivotal moment. Can I talk to you today? I believe that God stirred up the family to come and see about the baby boy. You do know David was the last born of seven sons. The family saw God promoting, moving from little Bethlehem into Jerusalem in the king's palace. The family saw the king turn on him, fire him, and then try to kill him. They knew the evil that had fallen to him, 
But they also knew their baby brother. And they also knew that no matter who turns on him, he still is Jesse's baby boy. I just dropped something right there. Okay, let me say it for the righteous people in the back. Everybody needs somebody sometime. Huh? To the one who ready to write off your son. You ready to write off your crack, your crack fiend brother or sister. You ready to write off the alcohol. I'm baby, listen. Everybody needs somebody at some time. And I've lived long enough now to let you know the real truth is you might not be in that same cave you was once in. But if you keep living, another cave will come your way. Can I preach it like I feel it? The believer needs to know that another believer needs to come see about somebody who is stuck in a pivotal moment where they're about to make a bad decision. David's family is teaching me in this text that when those we love, those who've been falsely accused, those who've been mistreated, those who've been persecuted and pursued by death, we, when, when they get in a doodlem situation, we should be ready and willing to come see about them. Even if they are in places they got no business dwelling in. Huh. I'm gonna say something about that. Even if they are in the drug house, even if they are sleeping under the bridge, even if they are doing stuff they ain't got no business doing, everybody needs somebody to come check on them. This text is teaching me, Billings, you don't throw away family. This text is teaching me that one day you gonna need your family. This text is teaching me that family ought to be there for you when nobody else is there for you. I'm preaching for a good church this morning. A church that won't write off the member they ain't seen in a long time. A church that won't just write it off. I knew they wasn't going to stick with it. I'm preaching for a church that'll go back and check on somebody. Because you ain't seen them in the parking lot. You ain't seen them online. You ain't seen them on the ground. You don't even know where they are. You won't write them off, but you're going to go and check on them. Can I get a witness right there? You need some help when you're in a pivotal moment in life. The third thing I see in this text, and I'm still in verse 2. The Bible says, watch this now. Don't make it up what? And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented, they gathered to him. Did y'all see that? And he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men. Let me unpack this, beloved. When we come to this portion of the text, we get to see not only did David's immediate family, Sister DM, come see about him, but the word got out in the city. And everybody who was just like David, Everybody 
who was going through something. Everybody who knew what it was like to have to run for your life. Everybody who knew what it was like to have people turn on you. To have people talk about you. To have people put lies out on you. Everybody who had ever been rejected, disrespected, disowned. When they heard they did this to David, they packed their little grip and got to stepping. And guess what that destination was? A doolum. Here it is. If the cave is good enough for David, who was just working in King Saul's house, then it's good enough for me. They left their mobile homes. Come on, talk to me. In Jerusalem. They left their suites and their townhouses and their homes in Bethlehem. And they relocated to come down and be with the man who was just like them. Can I turn the light on right here? When I look at this, the text got me here, Drea, because it says these people were also in distress. They were also in debt. They were also discontented. Here it is. Life, Brother Freddie, had bothered them too. Life and living had got hard for them too. And they felt what David felt and came down, yes, to be with him. I like that text. I'm almost through. This is going to be a three-part series. When we look at this, I believe it was God who connected them to somebody who was just like them. Did you catch it? Uh, Brother Manny, good to see you. This God story is teaching me, Manny, that everybody is in a pivotal moment at some time in life. And God, here it is, is going to use your hardships. He's going to use your sadness. Gina, daughter, he's going to use your discouragement to teach others about what God can do in the difficult locations in life. God first, here it is, and I said all that just to get to this point. God first, Reverend Tong, has to isolate everybody in the Adulam experience. Why? Because God is going to build community among them <laughs> in a little bitty cave. God is going to let them find their common bond. He's going to call them to suffering. And then he's going to show them what he could do with a man and with a people who are totally committed to serving him. These people are sent by David to the cave. And it couldn't have come at a better time because perhaps Lady Zuniga, he thought he was all alone. He thought he was the only one going through what he was going through. Sierra daughter, he thought nobody could relate to his story. He thought, daughter Lisa, that, that he was the only one feeling the ugly sting of injustice. But God would not leave him alone in his place of isolation. David didn't know it, 
but God was watching the whole time. God had a plan and it involved ministering to David and David ministering to people in a time when they least expected it. Look at what the text says. And there were now with him 400 men. Before that, David didn't have numbers for an army. But guess what God sent to him in his place of isolation? An army. An army of people who was just like him. Broken, messed up, discouraged, but they all came together and they formed this great company. In other words, God added men to David. Yeah, because guess what? Can't nobody encourage a depressed brother like another brother. God wanted him to know that his life was not over, Terry. God wanted David to know he was called and ordained to lead men. God wanted David to be reminded that the oil had flowed on his life. Remember that? God wanted David to know he was protected, he was covered, he was in community, and he had nothing to fear with the Lord on his side. Well, I'm through preaching here, but I want you to know, we'll come back next week and pick up points two, and the that week after that, point three. But God wanted David to know, David, brotherhood is for real. God wanted David to know it's important to have men to come alongside and fight with men. Can I put a plug in right there? Brothers, you need another brother in a global pandemic. Don't try to be a husband, a daddy, and a father all by yourself. Get with the brothers. Why? There is strength in numbers. There's power in numbers. The ladies do it much better than we do, brothers. They do it much better than we do, but I need you to know, in this pandemic, there's going to be some medullums. And you're going to need some men to call you to come down to the cave and check on you. Can I talk to you right here? I've learned in this text that God is encouraging David's heart with the addition of 400 new soldiers. This was a pivotal moment. And it was a moment when God would change everything in his life, in the life of this warrior. Now, why is that important? Because pivotal moments matter. I'm through. Some of you know I have a little prayer grounds not far from here, up in Pine Flat Mountains, 20 minutes. A friend of mine called this week, distressed, discontent, fearful. I said, son, I'm going out to the prayer grounds. Won't you come with me? Picked him up at Starbucks. We grabbed some fuel and went to the mountains. And I took him there down by the stream where we have our church retreats, you know. And I didn't realize it, Reverend White. When I got there, I thought our prayer time was going to be about him. But I got to the river and I found out as I started listening to him, I was depressed. I was in doubt. I was discontent. Are y'all listening to him? 
Yo, guess what? I didn't know the pandemic had been whooping on me. I'm doing all this stuff, running around the church, running around the community, teaching over yonder, teaching over here. I ain't had time to even ask myself, are you all right? Are we doing okay? And when I got down on my knees at the river, I found out, oh, help me, Lord. I need some soldiers. I need somebody every now and then come by my cave. Look in here. Are you doing all right, brother? Now, if that's me, y'all know I'm about to ask you the question. Who coming by your cave? Who checking on you? We can't tell because you got your mask on, right? How you really doing? But this spiritual formation and this check at this sermon is about you. How you really doing? Who has access to your cave? Who's got access to that dark place in your life? Who know that you're struggling with depression? Have you told anybody? Who know that you got doubts and fears? Have you told anybody? Who knows that you're ready to check out of here? Have you told anybody? Can I tell you, you're human? You're not superhuman? Can I tell you that the strongest human being went through the Dulem experience? Y'all already know where I'm going, huh? Y'all know Jesus, the God-man, came down from heaven, walked the dusty streets of Palestine, three years of intense ministry in a supernatural pandemic. And when it got time for him to heal all of humanity through his death on the cross, before he goes to the cross, don't you see him in Gethsemane? Broken weary, distressed, depressed even. Pray so hard, Andrew, blood's coming down from his brow that he begs and pleads with the Father in the season of distress because the weight of our sins was upon him. Father, if there's any other way, he said, take this cup from me. He was in a pivotal moment. Y'all see that there? And guess what the father did? He didn't say a word. He left him in his pivotal moment. Jesus took his cue, understanding that when the father didn't answer, he had to get up from where he was and continue with the mission. And with depression on his mind, with stress on his shoulders, took his cross. Hey, I just said something right there and let him whip him all night long with the cross on his shoulders let him spit in his face with the cross on his shoulders he stayed the course in the midst of depression and distraught and all of that and he went to calvary's cross knowing yes that pivotal moments don't last always he died the death that was a given to him he died the death that was ordained to him. And because he died obedient to his calling, guess what? God the Father was able to bring him through. I said he was able to bring him through. Didn't he die? 
Nicodemus, Joseph gave up the tomb. Didn't he go inside? But early, I said early, Sunday morning, God the Father raised him back to life. Another pivotal moment. Because he stayed the course, God brought him through. Are you in here? I said, are you in here? Do y'all know what it took me to get to church this morning? Everything I had. Everything in me had to crawl in that car. Back out the driveway. Pull in here. Come in with my mask on. Just like y'all. Came in with my mask on. People say, how you doing? I'm good. I'm cool. Holding it together. Depressed. Tired. Distressed. Down and out. Ready to throw in the towel. But you won't press me because I said I'm cool. In the pandemic, in the body of Christ, you got permission to press somebody. I know you good, but how you really doing? How's your health? Are you sleeping at night? Are you eating right? Ain't nobody said, Reverend, I noticed you putting on a little weight, man. What's going on? I'm eating too much. And I ain't the only one. I, I didn't canvas y'all. I see some of y'all the same like me. Stand up all night. Can't sleep. Eating. Drinking coffee at 12. You know you're going to be up to 5 in the morning. New beginners, we ain't healthy. We ain't healthy. Can I tell you, we ain't all right. Somebody holler, we ain't all right. Some of us have seen our doctor more this year than we have our whole life. And I'm concerned this morning about our mental health. Our mental health. I know you saved. I know you saved by grace. I know you're going to heaven, but your mind show is jacked up right now. That means your mental health ain't what it ought to be. And I'm more concerned when I see you working harder instead of backing off the gas. Y'all in here now? God had to take me to this text to show me. I know I called you to pastor. I know I called you to lead people. But I see you in your adulam. Get you some men around you. Get you some people that can check on you. If he's saying that to me, what's he saying to you? Who's checking on you? Who's your prayer team? Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Daughters, would you come? Father, in this sacred moment of reflection, I'm feeling the weight of this great church. I'm feeling the weight of every soul. And I know if I'm feeling the weight, they are feeling the weight also of their families, their children, their grandchildren, their spouses or their significant others. God, we're watching the world unravel. 
murders are happening around the clock. People are dying by the hundreds of thousands. Folks economically have lost their jobs and homes and they are just barely hanging on. Father, you have allowed us a food pantry in this closet and we see families every week, two or three days a week coming in to get food. This tells me everything is not all right. The fact that people have gotten tired of watching services online can't even find the strength to make it out in the parking lot. Everything is not all right. But God, you were faithful. You sent David a community to come and check on him in his cave. Show us who we ought to be checking on. Show us who we ought to be ministering to. Lord, I, I would that you would Give us a new formation for our mental health. Some of our babies are being threatened with suicide. Some of them are being threatened with fears and doubt. And God, they need a place and they need a people to come see about them. Show us, show us what to do. May a new ministry arise from this congregation that cares for the mental health, the souls of this body. We need you. And Lord, I wanna publicly just apologize, tell you I'm sorry. I kicked it into overdrive instead of pausing to do house checks, soul checks, I'm sorry, but I want to be a better under-shepherd. want to be a better servant. But I also recognize I can't help somebody if I'm sick myself. So Lord, this cry is a cry for all of us to get better, to do better. Ah to lay down the pride and let somebody check on us. Help us, Lord. So in these next few minutes, would you receive this act of worship as a cry for praise and help? In Jesus' name. I'm going to get to the invitation of salvation, but I feel the Spirit of God prompting me to ask you to stand to stand, stand. And I want you to do something unique. If you can just get in circles of four and five, you don't have to touch, but just spread in pods. I got a circle right there, one big circle. This is a circle of praise. The praise team is gonna lead us in this song and I want you in that circle to either sing or to pray. You can spread out, you don't have to be that close. One big circle though, make the circle, close the circle. Give each other some room, please, beloved. Give each other some room, back up two, three steps, back up these circles of praise, circles of praise. Let's give it to God. You know where you're at. Brother ministers, I need you to fall out.
fall out and just begin to walk through around the circle. Brother ministers, you'll cruise through the parking lot and pray. Thank you. Praise team, would you lead us? life 
why don't you come? Why don't you come? Come on, beloved, I beg you. Let's do business with God. This is a pivotal moment for you. Why don't you come? This next chorus is for you. I see you, daughter. I see you. I see you, son. I see you, daughter. Come on, beloved. Come on. Take advantage of this. Take advantage of this. There is hope. There is help. Sister Nikki, would you guys come and pray with the ladies here for me? Thank you so much. Come, your sisters are coming too. Come, beloved. Let's do business with God. Are you struggling this morning? Is depression bothering you? We have sisters right here that'll pray with you. Thank you. Why don't you come? Do something about it. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel him. I feel him today. I feel him today. Hallelujah. We need you in the midst of our circumstances. 
Somebody, oh Lord, feels themselves drifting from you, drifting from your word, drifting from your promises. And they need to be reminded today that you are a God who cares. You see them and you have community available for them. Thank you for this time and this place. Thank you for what you're doing in our family. Thank you for the reminder today to check on somebody. Thank you for the reminder today that we need one another. Thank you for the reminder today that people matter and that pivotal moments in life are real and accept we lean and depend on your word. We won't know how to turn when the time comes upon us. We need you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Beloved, I'm going to get ready to dismiss you. There's a sweet spirit here, but I want you to know how much Sister Wilson and I are truly grateful for you, how much we love you. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of the support you have given to the church. God sees your faithfulness. Thank you, beloved, for every nickel, every dime you have given to keep these doors open. We value you. We value you. Now, a couple of quick announcements. You can give on your way home. If you want to give the Lord's offering today, you can give at my, this table to my right, your left, or you can go online at nbcbc.org. Click on the giving tab and your donation will be, you'll give instructions, get instructions there rather for your donations. Next week at 12 o'clock at Woodward Park, the, the marriages, the couples, the engaged in our marriage enrichment ministry, we're having a lover's picnic. It's gonna be at 12 o'clock social distance at Woodward Park. It's gonna be an amazing opportunity for you to come and bring your loved one Amen. Even if you're mad at them right now, come on out to the picnic. Amen. This, this may fix it for you, all right? Come on out. And let's be together as a family. Couples need couples. Amen. And marriage enrichment says, Pastor, it's time. We're going to do that. Let's be together. That's next Saturday, the 17th at 12 o'clock. Second announcement, May 2nd, which is the first Sunday in May, is our church anniversary we've been together 13 years let's praise God right there and what we're going to do is that Sunday morning to celebrate those 13 years we want to have a wonderful celebration here there's going to be uh, some beautiful uh, uh, Mexican food here amen perhaps a taco truck we're going to celebrate we're going to baptize several new babies that made decisions on Easter. Let's praise God. Shout out to Reverend Nichols. Good job. And shout out to the KWZ. We're going to baptize them. We'll take family photos and we're going to have testimonies of all that God has done in your life since you've been a new beginner. That's the first Sunday in May. Come relax. Same time, 10 o'clock. Bring your lawn chairs. We'll have Holy Communion also as a family. You don't want to miss that. It's our 13th anniversary, and here's what we're asking of you. Would you bring a dollar to celebrate every year? 
So $13 to celebrate 13 years. That's going to be our special church offering that day. 13. Somebody holler 13. We're going to take that up and that will help to take care of your lunch and your meal. And bring a friend to celebrate your church and what God is doing in your community. Amen. Thank you for giving me a few extra moments today. I want to dismiss you now. Would you bow your head with me? Father, you've been good to us. Thank you for these moments of clarity. Thank you for the divine power of your word. How you speak to us to give us direction and guidance and purpose. We pray now that the burdens you have lifted today would stay gone and we may operate in the newness of life. Take us this week. You've laid certain people on our hearts and minds to reach out to. Help us to be mindful of them and to reach out to them. Thank you for our 8 o'clock service this morning, our 6 o'clock service tonight online. Bless all those who will dial on, log in, and be encouraged. Now may the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us until we gather again at the next appointed time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Bible study, 6 o'clock Wednesday night in the Family Life Center. You're welcome. Good to see ya. Good to see ya. We're glad. We're glad you're here. Good to see ya. So glad. So glad you're here. Good to see ya. We're glad.